Hi, everyone. We are back with Headcase Podcast. We're here with Jack Leary. Hey. And our friend from high school, who we haven't <laughs> seen in years, Sam Cobb. Uh, hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, we're actually so excited to have you because you reached out to me on Instagram after hearing my about my podcast, which always makes me super excited when people reach out to me. So more people should do that. But you reached out to me saying that you wanted to come on and talk about your story and the things that you've been through, which I had zero idea because we haven't really seen each other or anything since, since high school. Um, and I was baffled by the things that you've gone through. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I saw that you were, you know, you put on this, uh, Headcase podcast, and I thought, wow, that's so. Uh, that's just it's a really great thing to do something that allows people to share their stories, yeah. and um, um, something that I've learned is that usually, if I have a gut feeling that says, uh, you know, you should share this, or you should speak, or you should. Uh, put yourself out there that's sort of uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I, I try to follow it. And then after I do, I, I sort of regret. It. I'm like, oh, no, man, I, I don't know if I should do it. But it's usually the right decision to put yourself out there and, and try to help help someone else. I agree. You know, I and, mean, you can't really go wrong from it. Yeah. And and um, so uh, some of the stuff that y- you were sort of alluding to is, is since um, – uh, high school or in the last 10 years, um, I've been through some things that, that, that are sort of on the mental health side. You know, I, um, I'm a person in recovery. Um, I've been sober for almost four years. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and, uh, that was something that, that definitely was an issue in high school and I, and we won't, we, we spent one year at the gunnery yeah. together. And so I had a whole history of, uh, basically my using and my drinking brought me to, to the gunnery. Right. My parents just sort of like put me there and <laughs> said, you got to get your act together, yeah. man, you know? Um, but yeah, it was a really tough, um, experience. Um, just going through, uh, what it takes to, to really, you know, hit a bottom and, and, um, you know, with alcohol and 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 prescription meds, thinking that that I was just depressed, thinking that it, that it was an anxiety disorder, and yeah. going to therapists and therapy, you know, people after person after person, and and um, many of them realizing that hey, you know, we can try and treat this anxiety, we can try and treat this depression, but it's not going to do anything until you get sober, right? You know, because that's that's really what's it's when we get to, to it, it, that's really anything. what's what's going on here, right? Um, and, um, you know, more recently I, um, uh, am a, a cancer survivor or a, a battled, uh, testicular cancer was diagnosed with testicular cancer, um, around last year, uh, September of last year. Um, and so that's also been in, and you, I think the message you wrote on your podcast, on your, on your Instagram thing was anyone who dealt with sort of PTSD type of things and and um, as difficult as it was um, going through cancer and and being and accepting that I, I think this this past year um, has been just sort of the aftermath of that has right. been even more difficult um, and so 
you know, and then on top of that, I lost my dad to cancer, um, in, you know, three wow. months after my own diagnosis. Um, so I You've thought been through it. Yeah, I've been through it and yeah. I thought that like, Hey, you know, like I've, I've been through a lot of, a lot of stuff and, um, maybe, you know, I could be of some service or be of some good if, if I put myself out there and, absolutely, um, you know, talked about it. Yeah. I mean, talking is the best thing. You definitely are going to end up reaching people. You'd be shocked how many people are probably going through the same thing as you or have been through it. And it's, it's just so unfortunate that you happen to have all of these things happen to you sort of all at once, which is nuts. I know. I know. It, it was, um, it was really, it was really difficult. Yeah. Um, and it's not something that, it, you know, it's, it's something that I definitely, um, felt overwhelmed with and, and asked, you know, you know, like the why me pitied myself, that type of thing. Um, and then there was some sort of understanding that, hey, this is sort of what comes with, uh, just being a human being. Like yeah. everyone's going to at a certain point have a health issue that comes up that scares them to death. Right. Um, you know, cancer is so prevalent. Um, and most people are dealing with this stuff at an older age, but, and everyone's going to deal with, um, you know, parents, um, passing and, and, um, you know, the drugs and alcohol stuff. I, I always knew that that was sort of, uh, on the cards with me. I mean, yeah. from, from a very young age, my mom, um, my dad was an alcoholic, um, also had a bipolar disorder. Really? Yeah. So I grew up with a, with a parent that was a alcoholic bipolar. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's, my dad was incredible. He's a brilliant man, but it was part of his like eccentric right. you know, side. Yeah. Um, but I always, I was always told that, Hey, this is, uh, this is something that you have to be careful of this alcoholism. My dad, I have two cousins in recovery. My mom's father died from liver failure from alcoholism. Um, and then my mom, my mom has two, uh, my dad's my mom has two siblings that are in recovery, and then my dad's brother died from alcoholism. I have wow. I was wow. I was loaded, man. I yeah, was, so, so I the odds were against you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that you just knew going into high school and everything that you it was an it was going to be an easy trap to fall into, basically. I um, avoided drinking and using drugs as long as I poss- humanly could mm-hmm. at, because of what my parents instilled in me until around senior year in high school. And, you know, I was AP student, 4.0, right. vice president of my class, uh, two varsity sports. Um, and then senior year, uh, all of my friends were drinking. Everyone was having fun, going to parties and stuff. And I said, man, like, I I'm, I want to I want to do this, you know, yeah. I'm going to try it. And it was like a, just a switch instant. went off instant. I I I. Th- and I, I love drugs. I love alcohol. I love yeah. the, the, the feeling that it produced, the freedom that I thought it gave me of, of being able to say, well, you know, why do I value this? Why is this so important? What's the point of all of this? Why don't I just listen to music and smoke weed all day? Why, right. why mm-hmm. And so I, I you know, uh, went from a straight A student to D's and C's yeah. and, and um, started selling weed and, and, yeah. and got arrested in a matter of months for you know possession and all kinds of crazy stuff and that's what actually brought me to the prep school with you was uh, you know i didn't apply to college 
um, all my friends were going off to college and my parents said, hey, we need to get you to out of here yeah. in a place where you can succeed. And so I went to the gunnery. With and you. you ended up going to a very good college. Yeah. So <laughs> I got I got my my stuff together yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I stopped smoking weed and, and I, saw, I went to therapy and, and things like that. And um, and, you know, we went to a really sort of regimented uh, yeah. boarding school called very you know, the guy very strict <laughs> and I bought into it at yeah. first I said hey you know I don't want to be here but um, I'm going to do my best to get into the best school I can right um, my parents always stressed education my dad you know went to Harvard and was always like I want you to go to this school or this yeah and so I was I said hey I, I really screwed up last year but I'm going to give it my all and so I I kept my head down and um did well and got into Vanderbilt and then um, and then it was back to you know the yeah. same old and then almost got kicked out of the gunnery you know almost yeah. got kicked you know I mean college is just it's so much peer pressure as it is just to be in the social setting and everyone wants you to drink and try drugs and do all these things and you feel obligated to do that especially coming from a strict school when now you have all this freedom and you just kind of run with it yeah. Um, I mean, by that time, too, but when I when I had gotten to college my freshman year, um, you know, it was such a – and I chose Vanderbilt, too, because it, it had this party kind of reputation of good schools, you right. know? And I got there, and I was surrounded by all of these really intelligent, sort of geeky, nerdy kids that thought they knew how to party. Right. And I was and I was like, "Hey, man, let me show you how it's done." You right, know, that kind of thing. And then, and then I um, started to get really burnt out and depressed yeah. and withdrawn. And that was when I started to realize that, hey, you know, I'm I'm not the same as everyone else. Um, everyone else is drinking and they're having a really good time, and they're going to class the next day. Right. Um, or they're doing their work or, or, or whatever. I'm drinking um, and I want to be alone and I don't want to go to class. And the next day when I wake up, I want to keep drinking and I just want to smoke weed and I just want to be by myself right. and I'm not happy and this is not fun anymore. Right. And then, um, and then that's when I sort of started ex- saying, well, you know, because when you're also – when you're – at that age and, and, you know, certainly I was thinking drugs and alcohol can't be the problem. It's got to be other things. Right. It's got to be other things. I must be depressed. I must have an anxiety disorder. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so afraid to go to class because I'm dumber than everyone. Right. I, you probably thought, you know, everyone else is drinking and partying and if they're fine, then it must not be that. It must be something about me personally that's the problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds isolating too because you were – it sounds like you were intimidated in your own head about your surroundings and the other people that were around you and how you already felt different from everyone else anyway because of this that was going on. Yeah. I, I – it was um, incredibly intimidating, incredibly isolating. I knew something was, was wrong um, but because I was in an environment where everyone – and you're young. Everyone yeah. else was doing the same thing right. or, I, or I thought – I didn't think that that was the problem. Right. So um, it led me to um, take you know anti-anxiety meds because I thought, well, um, it's just it's, – it's an anxiety issue. That's why – or it's a depression thing. So yeah. I was on different antidepressants and then um, 
you know, I, I started taking uh, Xanax. I found a doctor. I found a doctor that would prescribe me Xanax, and I thought that this was sort of the cure. The cure-all, yeah. yeah. Cure-all. And um, is that cool if they're talking about specific Absolutely. medicine stuff? Like that, right? Yeah. So, and at that time, too, I, I was, you know, anything I could take that altered. I was so uncomfortable with right. just who I was. Right. Anything that I could take that could alter the way I felt, I, I took. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, for a while it sort of, it sort of worked and, and I was able to get myself to class. I was sort of in a haze. I wasn't right. really there, but I was able to kind On of. On autopilot. Sort of. Autopilot. Yeah. 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 Um, and then it just, it just, uh, it just kept mounting. Yeah. And kept spiraling until, you know, point, uh, five milligrams a, a day became right. one, became two, became four. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm, um, having the same conversations with people and people are saying, Sam, you know, you, you have already said this to me a million times and, you know, I'm drinking on top of it and, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm taking painkillers on the weekends because that's the only thing that, that keeps things interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to finish school. I'm taking medical leaves. I'm coming home. Um, and I had a friend who, um, around my junior year dropped out and, um, she went to treatment. She went to, you know, a a treatment center in, in Nashville and I didn't know, um, anything about what treatment was right you know um and i saw her when she got back and i mean she was so happy her there was a light in her eyes and she was just and i and i was like what is what is going on you know and she's like oh i'm I'm sober you know and and we had done everything the same like we were you know two peas in a pod we were and so it sort of got me thinking that hey you know if this person thought that this was bad enough that they needed to get help and they're sober now yeah um you know what does that what does that mean for me right you know and um enough time sort of passed and and i sort of dug the hole deeper and deeper and i was you know getting into heroin and and doing really awful awful stuff and and feeling awful and um all of a sudden i said uh after blacking out one night and making a fool of myself and all my friends were graduating and I was, I was not. And, um, I called up my friend, um, Navitha and I said, I need help. I mm. need, uh, I can't do this anymore. And I called my mom. It was on mother's day. Oh, wow. and, and I called my mom and I said, I can't do this anymore. Um, and so I, it was funny cause th- th- she said, Oh, we'll, we'll just g- send you, we'll get, we'll let you interview at uh, this treatment center. You can just interview. You don't have to go. You don't have right. to go. We'll just, you can just see what you think. Right. We'll see if you qualify, you know, that type of thing. And I do my interview there and they say, you know, yeah, I think we can work with you. I think we yeah. can help you. I would and, hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they were trying to, they were trying to make it as, you know, peaceful right. as possible. Right. And, and um, I also didn't know that a treatment you get sober sober i thought i'll go here i'll get off of the xanax i'll learn how to moderate my drinking right right? and i can go back to being a normal person right 
And, and you're like, nope, and that was, that's no. not the case. It's yeah. straight edge all the way. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine Xanax is already such an addicting thing as is, but if you have an addicting, addictive personality on top of it and then piling on all of these other things, it's like you think it's a quick fix. You 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 take a Xanax, but you're like, okay, I can still drink now and do these drugs because I just took the Xanax, and then it kind of all domino effects. I think all of those medications um, are, are good for people who truly need them right. and are used the right way. Absolutely. When you give them to someone like me who <laughs> nothing is ever enough and, and I'm – you know, I I I only knew how to abuse yeah. substances. I never really knew how to like treat things moderately. It was all like an all or nothing. Thing. Always all or nothing. Yeah. Always. So all or nothing. you went to this treatment center. Yeah. And what in was two thousand thirteen. Okay. And what was that like? Um, it was, uh, it was um an incredible experience. Um. I realized uh, how happy I I could I could be. Yeah. Um, I realized how naturally the person that I am uh, loves life. Yeah. Is not depressed. It's not that anxious. Like yeah, I have anxiety here and there. You know, but right, right. I, I was able to get to know my my true self. Um, it was it was harrowing um, coming off of the. Drugs, the detox, and they and, and you know the benzo benzodiazepine Xanax stuff yeah. is the most. I know I've detoxed from opiates, so that was the worst. Um, mm-hmm. And they really wanted me to feel it, which I which I didn't necessarily agree with. I mean, I, I couldn't sleep for a week. I was, yeah. I felt like my brain had been just turned back on, and I was crying all the time. And um, and then once the uh, withdrawal. Uh, symptoms went away and I started feeling amazing. Yeah. Um, and then they started teaching me about, um, recovery and the principles behind it and AA and, uh, sobriety. And I said, uh, I don't think so. Right. Uh, (laughs) Like, thanks, but no thanks. Right. Like I, you know, I'm 23. My my friends go to bar. Like, I I want to, yeah. I want to be one of the guys again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel so good. You know, yeah. I just want to be. And so, um, I was there for 30 days. They recommended that I go for longer. I stay for longer. I said thanks, but no thanks. Mm. Mm. And uh, it's almost like when uh, when you were at the gunnery and you got into the college exactly. and then exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I got a, the good thing and yeah. then I went back. Right. right. And it it wasn't 30 days outside, maybe two weeks. It was, it was the 4th of July. I got up for the 4th of July and I was uh, – I said, oh, I'll just – I'll have a beer on the 4th of July, right? And, um, you know, two weeks later, I'm, I'm buying uh, opiates uh, yeah. mm. and pills and stuff and, and – and then that began a real – another two years of, of a really hard, hard lesson. Yeah. Of trying to go back to school, unsure of where I fit in, if, if I was an addict, if I was if, – if I could use, you know, what was going on. Right. Sleeping all day, deep, 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 deep depression. Yeah. Mm. So you're trying to figure out what you can handle and yeah. all of that. So what did your 
parents do your parents obviously knew what was going on with you yeah and um i mean there's only so much i guess you can do as a parent in those type of situations especially if your kid is basically an adult but i mean you're still a kid and you know trying to be independent so you can only do so much um in treatment too they bring your family in okay. and there's a lot that you sort of learn about how this is really um a family disease yeah. how it affects i mean i talked about the genetic stuff too, right but the like i uh they enabled me Mm-hmm. And I manipulated them. I mean, yeah. it was it was we were keeping each other sick. So it was a kind of thing where, um, you know, they felt so so much they have so much love for me, and absolutely. and and they felt so sad that they would do absolutely everything and anything to to try and help. Right. Um. So, you know, that looked like me moving back home, and uh, bargaining with them that hey, you know, uh, why don't you if you just buy me this alcohol or if you, if you let me smoke pot at home or if you let me do uh, – eventually I got them to a point where, <laughs> um, you know, they knew that I was doing heroin. Uh, they knew that I uh, had, you know, tried treatment and, and all these things and that I was depressed. And as long as I was seeing a therapist um, and not using needles that they would – let me sort of yeah. live in this house, right. you know, because I had convinced them that that was a safe way and that I wasn't really using right. her- heroin. I was you know, using Suboxone and trying to detox and all of these things. Um, and I and I kept myself sick and and it was really dark for, for about two years until um, I overdosed. Wow. I was uh, in my third floor sort of attic that converted into my room and and I was shooting and um felt like I was going to die. I just wow. my I was I had come close a couple times and I said I can't die alone up here and I just I went downstairs and I threw myself in front of them. And um I woke up in the ER. Um and this is this is too, sort of too how sick I was. I, I mean, at that time, I woke up in the ER, and my first thought was, "I gotta get out of here and uh, get high before they get rid of me." Right. So, like uh, one last one last hurrah. hurrah. I yeah. knew I knew that it was coming to an end. You right. Know? I call my buddy. We go to you know crack houses. We're doing all kinds of stuff. I, I end up coming home in the early in the morning, and my bags are packed. And they say, "You're you can't. You know, we're done." Right. Um, you're either on you're on your own. You're you're either homeless or, or find a place to live. You can't do this he- here anymore, or you can accept um, this uh, treatment option mm-hmm. one last time in Florida. You know, the first time I went, it was a f- you know a beautiful facility, facility yeah. five star, one of the best in the nation. This time, the second time around, it was. A rough place in in um, Palm Beach in Florida. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, January or February, and um, it was cold. And I said, "Oh, Florida sounds good. Yeah, I'll go to Florida." Oh. And I remember detoxing in Florida, and being woken up for the first time uh, in the daytime, and getting a fresh meal, and 
and you know withdrawing and then coming to and and realizing that i have to do this yeah i have to this i will not survive it felt like a nightmare i will yeah. not survive um if i use in any capacity yeah i'm so lucky to be alive i will i will do i knew from day one after uh, detoxing that i was gonna do whatever it took right and i a light just went off it just went off yeah and and i um i did everything they told me um i stayed in treatment for um five months instead of one month yeah um i went to sober living i went to aa meetings every day um, you know, I, I did whatever it took. Yeah. Um, and then I went, I went back to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, um, said, you know, they, it's an amazing university and, and they have so many kids that, um, uh, maybe aren't as extreme cases as me, yeah, but really struggle with the party aspect of it and really can't do school. Right. And they had, they set up a sober living, um, that's incredible on campus. Yeah. And so I was a part of year two of the Vanderbilt recovery support, uh, collegiate wow. recovery uh, housing and um, got to do school the way, you know, I wanted the right. way it might have been intended. You know, it, I was older. I was 25. Um, I, uh, you know, was going to class and, and I, I, I loved it, yeah. you, you know, and and um you actually wanted to be there. You wanted, wanted to learn. To. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I always say that I think college should start at age 25. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we <laughs> should be from high school, even high school, maybe we should start later. I don't know. We should be working in between. I don't know what we yeah. should be doing, but there, I think that's, you just, you get to know yourself and then your priorities completely change by that age about around that age. And then once you're 25, you're like, okay, I actually want to learn and this is what I want to do. And you kind of, you would probably save money on grad school if, by having college later anyway, but yeah, cause your priorities are completely broken when you're going into <laughs> school. You just want to party and be free from your parents. It's also like, some people are lucky enough to know exactly what they want to do, but most people don't. And yeah. particularly coming out of like a school that we went to where it's f focused around sports. I know a lot of kids in my class, probably in every class at Gunnery, thought they were going one route because of yeah. the sport they played or the direction that they thought they were going. And now they're in a totally different place. And yeah. so by the time you realize that, you're already almost through college or done with college. And you're like, what did I just do? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It just doesn't – it never made sense to me, but – I mean, I even went and looked at a grad school and I was like, oh, I wish I went here now, like for my undergrad. And I wish I was, <laughs> I wish I just skipped school for the, all those, all that time and all that money. But, yeah. um, it's, I mean, it's so difficult and you're so young yeah. and, uh, you're just surrounded by people that also feel that way. So impressionable. So impressionable. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, uh, it's, it's tough to be that young and to have that much pressure. Right. Yes. Know? Did you have anyone, you said you had your close friend that you reached out to originally for mm -hmm. help, but throughout this whole process, did you have, because it's tough too, in high school and in college, you have your friends, but some of them you realize are party friends. Some of them oh, you yeah. can't really yeah. go to, and some of them aren't in a place to understand or be able to take in particularly what you were going through to be there for you and you had your family, but did you have anyone that was like a go-to that you could go to and talk to during any of this? So I would say... Um, uh, definitely my friend that uh, sort of introduced me 
into recovery, Navitha. Um, the other good thing about um, getting sober um, is that you are introduced to a whole community of people um, that are going through the exact same thing that you are right. and are just looking to to link up and, and meet new friends and, and, and try to create uh, healthier social circles. Right. I think that was sort of the thing that drew me to, to try to talk on a podcast like this on, right. on head cases. Like sometimes when you're struggling, you don't realize that there are other people out there that are going through the exact same thing you're right. going through. And it's awful to go through things alone. And the thing that's great about AA is um, you are introduced to a whole community of people that um, are just like you. Right. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, addicts and alcoholics are some of the coolest people around and they're sober addicts and alcoholics. Yeah. And like, so they were just like me, but sober. Yeah. Um, so I met a lot of great friends that way. Um, I also, you know, like you said, like I did, my friends were, you know, from high school, they were like me. So they, some had the exact same type of, uh, journey where yeah. it's like hey man they see me getting sober maybe i need to go to a, yeah. a, a treatment center and right. my, my best buddy did mm -hmm. and he's been sober now for for two years um some of my other other friends um you know they grew out of it mm -hmm. and and that's something that's just like a little bit of a difference some some people have, what happens yeah have, have a have control over over things and some people have addiction yeah. some right. people have alcoholism mm -hmm. you yeah. know um and so it was it was interesting to to see that. Um, luckily enough, I, I formed enough good relationships. I didn't really have to cut anyone out. Yeah, I didn't have to say, oh, you're not you're not good for me. Mm -hmm. um, we stopped doing the same things. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't go right. to bars anymore. Right. You know, but right. we my good friends uh, supported me, were there for me and, and uh, believed in me. So. Yeah. And if you're transparent about like your priorities, this is not something I'm going to get into. So don't even yeah. try to invite me to a party where I know, you know, I would be in a situation that I'm backed against a wall basically. But yeah, it was like that for the first, I would say eight months. Yeah. Um, I, I was really selective about what I could, what I wanted to put myself in. Right. Um, the first time I went to treatment right after treatment, I, I went to Bonnaroo. <laughs> Every, everyone, oh my God. Situation. everyone said what are you, you know doing? the old post-treatment yeah. bonner yeah the old exactly yeah and oh man and everyone said this is the dumbest idea in the world and i think i didn't i didn't drink or get high just to show them like yeah. i could do it but it wasn't a week after that i did right i just wasn't ready for it you know Absolutely. i didn't know anything right so and it's not even like you weren't doing it for the right reasons you're just doing it to show that you yeah could, yeah i just wanted to show i can i can have fun. right can right do right this, you know yeah you just had to be it's like the self-awareness. You just really had to know yourself and then get to that bottom, I guess, yeah. in order. Yeah, but it is too like – it's kind of cliche when everybody says everything happens for a reason, but I really do think it does. And like it sounds like the first time, like you said, you went to the top – center and it was like you know the five-star treatment center and it should have been you know your moment of realizing but you just weren't ready for that and it sounds like to come full circle and realize that you had to go through like even when you thought you were at rock bottom you had to have your real rock bottom to get to the point where yeah that is that is so true and i feel very um lucky and 
I would say like blessed in a way that I was able to survive yeah. what I experienced because um, a lot of people don't get to live through their like rock bottom. A lot of people overdose and a lot of people die. Yeah. And, and that's, and you know, someone in that second treatment center, you know, overdosed and died in the, in the treatment center. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, for me to experience that level of despair, um, and sort of darkness and, and all of those things, it, uh, hundred percent convinced me that I could, I would never be able to do it. Right. You know, when people say, oh, you know, do, don't you think you could have a drink? I was never able to drink responsibly. Right. And I know exactly where it leads. And I have, you know, eight years of experience that tells me. Absolutely. Right. You have a good sample size. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you yeah. know yourself now, so you know. And, and I think it, it helps, too, to, um, you know, to, to find enjoyment. It takes a little bit of time because sobriety is definitely not easy. Right. But it Come does, on. it does, um, when you find, um, your true self and, and when you start to enjoy things and, and it becomes the best. Right. You know, you so I wouldn't trade it, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. 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 So what was it like to be in the withdrawal process? I mean, I've heard it's, you feel like you're going to die just being in that. Yeah. So I, um, so it was, so there were the two different, uh, toughest withdrawal processes that I went through. One was, was getting off of, uh, Xanax and, and Benzo, Benzos. Um, and that one, um, felt, much worse than detoxing off of heroin and, really? and opiates. Yeah, that was the worst, probably the worst experience of of physically um, wow. that I've ever experienced. Um, you know, I um, my I was constantly. I felt like my brain had been shut off for two years, and then was just turned on to overdrive. Right. So I. Uh, I, I was just I was I was constantly crying. I was constantly It's like all your emotions just flooded back. Well, because you're numb out. for so long. It's like for, yeah. you know, for I was on, you know, uh five, six milligrams of Xanax. The floodgates were open. For a year and a half. So it yeah. opened it up big time. I can imagine. And it's just raw. Like how yeah. And, and, and they're yeah. giving me they're giving me medication to uh stabilize my blood pressure, but even then my blood pressure was around you know, 210 over 160, which is really, really high. And wow. you can, and people seize out. And, at yeah. that. and so it was, it was, that was <coughs> that for about a week of, of, and it makes you never want to, it's sort of well, valuable. I guess that's it's why they you want never, you to feel it. Yeah. So you, mm. yeah, they so want to keep you medically safe. It's like a cautionary thing. Exactly. Tale. You got to know what you <laughs> yeah. did to yourself. Right. You know, and as far as the opiates go, it was, it was, it was tough, but they, um, they gave me something that was a little bit made it a little bit easier yeah. to but it's it's awful stuff you know and it's, it's horrible yeah especially for it, if you're willingly going into a situation and you know that these things are there and you know yourself now you know you're not going to take these drugs but there are so many people who don't necessarily even realize they're an addict Yet, or they could have the this the Xanax could be what kind of triggers it all. Yeah, I I think that's and that's sort of another reason why I like to at least be sort of public about yeah. my recovery. Like you know, on Facebook, I'll I'll say you know today's three years sober, or 
I'll, I'll reach out because I think people, um, you know, I, I don't know if as a society we're full of addicts and alcoholics or, you know, I, I really don't think that there are a lot of people with this, with that disease, but I do think that there are a lot of people who struggle with drinking, struggle with using and, and aren't sure if, um, what they're going through is problematic right. or maybe they have a, a, an inkling that it is yeah. and they don't know what to do. So by me sort of putting my story out there or, or sharing things, um, I've gotten a lot of people, um, who, who say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going through this. I, I think right. I might have a problem. I don't really know what to do. Right. Or can you help? You it's know? like, are you, in, they don't know if they're an addict or just like intolerant. Well, it's yeah. also tough to at, it. at the age that you were at when you were going through this. And even now it's hard to be in your twenties and go through that. It's different yeah. when, you know, you're in your thirties or forties and it's a different, um, kind of setup in terms of, how you're socializing but like right now uh in our lives it's very much revolved around going out and meeting up at bars and hanging out and i think we get programmed to think that that's the only way that that can happen right or that it has to be that way or you have to be a certain amount of like drunk to you know be able to socialize but it doesn't have to be but it's it's definitely tough and that's why i can i can imagine when you when you came out the first time and you were like okay i can do this like i can i'm not going to stop doing this because right. i'm 23 I, that's got to be a tough period of time to do it. But I think more people that talk about it and actually get a conversation going around the fact that it's okay to, yeah. to be able to, to deal with that it's, stuff. It's a lot of people, I think it's a social anxiety thing too. And a right. lot of people aren't comfortable in their own skin and don't think they'll have something to offer to to a conversation or, or whatever it is when they go on a date or go out and they and they feel – like they need this, it's like a safety blanket. To or people have a think drink they're funnier or, when they're drunk, but really right. that, that's there. Whatever whatever you think is like the version of yourself that's better when you're drunk, that's there. That's in you. there it's all just, the time. You, right. You're not thinking about it. You're not like overanalyzing it. You're, you're not tapped into it because right. your inhibitions are gone when you're drinking right. and on drugs. And then when you actually sit down and you can mostly like your best friends will know that side of you. Right. But if yeah. you go on a date and you need a drink, like I often don't drink and. Yeah go out and I'm, I can go out till like seven in the morning and I'm yeah. not having a drink, but right. people just know me like that now. So it, they don't even question it, but it's, some people are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I just, you just, you're just gotta be yourself and not care yeah. what people say. I'm, I'm the same way. I've, I've found that, um, as long as I'm with my friends or doing something that's fun besides just the activity of drinking, right? You know, yeah. seeing going to a going show, to concert, yeah. going to whatever. Right. You know, I was at a, a bar last night and there was a you know music there, and um, I could I could I can stay out, I can hang, yeah. You know, I can do. And, you can live your life yeah. the same way. And, anyone and else. you know, people, uh, everyone's always the thing you you sort of have to realize too. Um, when you go out, it's like everyone is sort of anxious and, and, right. and, you know, feeling a situation out and drinking because they're slightly uncomfortable. And no one's really paying attention if the glass you're holding is Coca-Cola or – Yeah, right. No, oh, yeah. No one cares. So many times you I've know? held just soda just water, water or yeah. water. Yeah. People are like, oh, that's probably yeah. a vodka. Yeah. Soda. Yeah. yeah, they don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one's going to come up and just sip your drink out right. of nowhere or <laughs> judge that was, that you. That was such a fear. I mean it would, should be very, it would be very weird if someone shamed you for having – Right. I mean, oftentimes it's weird. That because, was my fear, though, when I was younger, yeah. and I had to. After my, you know, last night, I also I was I was just sort of sitting with myself and enjoying it. And I was like, I'm okay. I can do that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Can, you can it's chill. Sit. It's fine. Just, yeah. 
I mean, I'll, it's shocking how many people thought I was sober yeah. from um, alcohol when I would tell them, oh, no, I'm not drinking or I'm, yeah. I just don't I don't want to have a drink. I'll have a Diet Coke or something. And they would be like, is stuff, uh, stuff recovered? <laughs> right. I, will, I will say I think it's nice about, you know, I'm, I'm 29. And so it was definitely really hard at 23, 24, 25. Absolutely. It is nicer as you get older when, you know, Steph, you said you can just, you're not in recovery, yeah. you're not an alcoholic, but you're just choosing not to drink. Yeah. And when I was younger, I didn't feel like anyone was like that. Yeah. And, right. now, and now I'm, you know, all my roommates, I have three roommates and none of them, they're never drinking. Yeah. They're never smoking. And I thought people like that were aliens right. when I was right, younger. Right. And they're realize, out there for yeah, sure. You realize, you know, you can be normal. Yeah. You know? And I think any addict's main concern after becoming sober is that people will just not like them anymore or not, yeah. not like them for who they are when really it's – I've seen that difference in someone who goes to rehab and comes back and – it's you can just you're like you're a person now you yeah. were before it was like glazed over yeah and it's you're like you're you have a pulse in there now it's, my my friend was so surprised when i got out of uh treatment center the first time um and she said oh my god you can make eye contact yeah mm. she thought that i had a, a disability or something that my eyes couldn't wouldn't couldn't adjust right she just thought that that was the way i was that i was just Always, because wow. yeah. I couldn't focus. Focus, yeah. yeah. And you know, she, she, everyone's comments were, "You man, you're so, you're so much funnier and happier." And and I realized, like, I was kind of a mean, awful, isolated person yeah. when I was, you know, using. Yeah. And and you're I, not yourself. And that's a nice. But how can you be when you're going through, right. you know, the shame and the guilt and the self doubt and the you know the right. depression, and everything? There's so much, but once you clear it out. You're able to actually be who you genuinely are, which is someone right. who's, you know, warm and open right. and attentive. and Yeah. So with all of that that happened and then you mentioned you were diagnosed with testicular cancer. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that's just – you're like, oh, great. What else now? Like what now? Yeah. On and top that was of after everything you you've been through. Sober and we're in recovery? Yeah. So um, I had been sober for about – Two and a half years. Um, I had just moved back from Nashville to New York to do pursue acting and to sort of get my life going. And I was so excited. You know, I was, I felt reborn and all of these things. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned my dad's um, passing too. My dad at the time, you know, he had been battling prostate cancer for about 20, 20 years. Um, and so he, and I was always aware, I mean, part of me um, getting sober and going back to school was to, it was for me, but it was also as, as a, to show him, right. as a gift to him to say, you don't have to worry about me. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to graduate. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I wanted to do this. I remember being in treatment too and saying to my counselor, like, I don't want to be high at my dad's funeral. I don't, I don't want to yeah. do that, you know? Um and so I came back to Connecticut and he was doing okay. He was doing fine. Um, and I was living an active lifestyle, which was sort of, you know, I was going to AA. Um, I was, uh, uh, living an active lifestyle. Um, I was, I was, things were going great. And I, I noticed, um, 
just a, a little bit of swelling underneath my nipple mm-hmm. on, on both sides. And I thought, oh, man, that's weird. Maybe that's just from, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a workout supplement right. or just sore or something. And um, it didn't go away for about four weeks, three or four weeks. And then by the end of three or four weeks, I said, I, I got to get this checked out. Yeah. You know? And so I, I went to the doctor and um, he said, okay, well, you know, could be this, could be that. Let's take some blood work. Um, have you, you know, have you felt your your balls by any chance? Just <laughs> like check because that's going to happen. Like, yeah. And I was like, and I actually had because I would Googled like, what's well, causes? You know, right, right, right. And I thought I did. WebMD. I, I thought I did a pretty good check. Field, Self-check. Man. Self- I did, I self-evaluation. I was, like, I was like, doc, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. And uh, I went, I went home after that appointment um and i'm just laying on the couch or my buddy came over we're playing video games and i'm just laying on the couch and i was like i'm gonna really do a a real feel here yeah i'm gonna really do a feel (laughs) and on the right one uh i just you know i did it how they felt the way they instructed me to online and and i felt like a marble right in there yeah Mm. and i looked at my buddy and i said i'm Oh, man. I just said that just like that. You just knew. I just knew. And I called up my doctor the next day, and I said, look, I found something. And he cut me off. And he said, yeah, your blood work is all out of whack. You you have the estrogen of a pregnant woman. Wow. And here I was, you know, I was taking acting classes, and I was getting really emotional, and I thought that I was just a really good actor. (laughs) Right. Oh, I'm so in tune. I have have so much to tap into. Oh, God, I have so much to work with. Right. Oh, man. And it's like, no, dude, you're a pregnant woman. Yeah, you're going method without realizing (laughs) that you're method, yeah. You're a male seahorse. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, um, So I said, so I said, oh, God. I said, fuck. And, um... And he's and my doctor says too. He's like, he's like, yeah, you know, Sam. I think it's pretty much a slam dunk. Oh my god! I was like, what? He's like, yeah, cancer's a slam dunk. Jeez. I remember wow. like, oh man, like this, this guy needs to work on uh, yeah. his delivery. <laughs> it's so delivery. horrible. <laughs> like, what's a slam dunk? What's the slam dunk here, man? Yeah. yeah. Like, what's going on? Oh. Um. And um, I I hung up and um. You know, it, there's it, when you when you hear something like that too. It's there's a lot that goes through your head, and and I just, you know, I I didn't start crying or anything. It was it was it was very it was kind of a numbing feeling where I was just I was sort of this determination where it's like okay, this happened. Right. I'm gonna call my mom. I'm gonna tell my mom. I called my mom, um, and she gets she gets really upset. I'm on the phone. She's like, just come, home, you know, um, and. Um, and then uh, it was a very quick process, um, and uh, it, I, I went, f- t- f- you know, from diagnosis to immediately meeting with the best. Uh, fortunately, in Connecticut, they, we have Yale. And yeah. They, and there, I had access to all of that, and and so I met with a Yale uh, um, urologist and oncologist, and um, they did the sonogram, and I and I saw the the tumor, and. Um, and uh, I went into surgery like on two days later. Wow. Um, and this, you know, this was, uh, I think that, you know, and also I went into surgery saying, um, well, there's two points I can get to this. So uh, <laughs> I told the surgeons that I um, am an addict and like I can't have any painkillers. Mm. Yeah. 
and um, and I talked to my sponsor about that, and he was like, "That's it's, do you think you would abuse it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I think I would." Um, and I remember going under and coming out and feeling after the surgery and everything was successful. They just removed it and can still have kids. It's it's yeah. a good. It was a good prognosis at the time. Right. Um, and I uh, I was just sedated or woozy enough that I felt altered. Really. And this monster side of me that had been buried for two and a half years. All of a sudden, without thinking, I'm I'm telling the nurse, no, 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 it's okay. The doctor approved that I can have painkillers. Wow. I need pain. I need something. Yeah. I need something. She writes up a script. Oh. oh, God. I pass out again. I'm brought back home. I wake up to my mom saying, hey, I'm I'm coming home. I have the the pain the painkillers. I'll be on my way. And I and I just say, you have to throw those out. Yeah. yeah. You have to stop. Wow. I, I can't take those. Wow. Um, Thank God you stopped yourself. I know. I, I just I knew I knew that yeah. I it was gonna be it was gonna be disaster right um, and then as far as on the on the cancer side um, you know I have um, so much empathy now for people that go through really really traumatic stuff and you yeah. know tra- trauma doesn't have to be you know getting cancer or losing right. it to, it can be anything but yeah. but you know um, what I so basically, they they took the the sonogram, um, and they looked at the tumor, and they said, "We're going to take this out, remove it, and in five or six days, we'll, we'll let you know what type of cancer it is." Right. Because there's different types of testicular cancer. Yeah. Um, so um, I call my I tell my parents that that the oncologist says it could either be a, a seminoma uh-huh. or a Leydig okay. cancer cell, and um, that they're both really treatable and don't worry. Um, I get home after my meeting with with them, um, and my both of my parents are just hysterically crying. Oh my gosh! Um, and they say to me, "Whatever you do, don't Google the names of those tumors." <clears throat> and of course, you Google them. <laughs> I Google them, and I see that a seminoma is um, extremely treatable. 99% survival rate. Um, basically, if it spreads anywhere into your brain or, or lungs or anything, it's, it's extremely treatable with chemo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, oh, okay, well, that's good. And then I Google uh, Leydig, uh, cancer cell, cancer tumor. Right. Um, and that one is not treatable wow. with anything. Um, and it has a prognosis of one to two years. Oh, my gosh. So... I'm like, I'm just devastated. Yeah, of course. And I've, I had just had this, you know, surgery and I'm, I'm in pain and I, and I have to wait, um, you know, five or six days before they can tell me what type of tumor it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just go through all of it yeah. as far as I'm, I'm, I'm so angry. I'm, I'm horribly depressed. I think I'm going to die. I've accepted that I have yeah. the Leydig, of course, right. you know, because I've looked at, I know my sonogram and I look at the Google yeah. picture of the Leydig and it looks exactly that. And it doesn't look like the seminoma. And I am, if accepted that I'm going to die, you know, wow. the, then I start thinking, well, what would I do? Am I going to, should I get high? Yeah. That, should, I was should thinking I, that. You know, should I just, should I just 
have a party. What's the point? What's the point of anything? You know, Um, you know, some people think or, or, you know, what would you do if you found out you had a year to live this or that? And and I immediately went to the dark side. Right. I was. I I, I did not go to. Oh, I'm going to travel the world. Yeah. And and none of. And be like super positive. No. no. I I went to despair. Right. Um. And it was. It was. Um. You know, that's why, again, when people are, are really struggling, like it's – it's that type of despair is – is it was horrible, yeah. you know? Um, and um, luckily enough, I – the only thing that could help really and, – and, and I, and I uh, wasn't seeing a therapist at the time and, and I was telling my friends but they didn't quite understand. Right. Um, and this was true too in in recovery was like getting with people who who knew what you were going through. Yeah. So I started. Um, I had a, great doctors who I was constantly communicating with, and they were tr- really, really trying to just calm me down. Of you course, know, really yeah. trying. Like it doesn't. It's not a hundred percent. Just you know. And um, I started reading um, even on on Reddit testicular cancer forums, things like yeah. that. People who had been through the same thing. I got with people that knew, mm-hmm. you know, and it and it helped a little. Um, and then um, uh, five or six days go by, and I get a call from my doctor, and he says, "You have uh, seminoma." Oh. And I and I and I was in Bob's. Re- I remember where I was in Bob's stores getting some like sweatpants or something with my mom. Oh my god! Uh-huh. We just we just started. I was oh, never amazing. never so happy to have. I can imagine regular cancer. Yeah, <laughs> but also that you held on and didn't give in to you know, the inhibitions yeah. or the urges yeah. or the thoughts of this is just going to be my going away party or whatever right. you thought it was. I, I wasn't ready to just give up. I, I came, the closest I came to self-destruction was, was taking a baseball. I really wanted to take a baseball bat and smash my car. Huh. Wow. I really wanted to do that. Just to get the urge. Just, of... I want, I was so yeah. angry. Mm. I was so angry. And, and as far as self-destructive and, and taking drugs, I knew that that wouldn't help. Right. You know? Yeah. I knew that that wouldn't, it didn't help before when yeah. I was sad and depressed. It, it, it wasn't going to help. It would make it worse. Make it worse. Did, I would dig the hole even deeper. Yeah. In a way, did that make you stronger with your sobriety and knowing that if you can go through that oh, and yeah, stay man. sober, like now day to day, it's like, I can do it. I can do anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can wow. imagine. It's like, you can't even take painkillers after surgery. Yeah. I, that was the other takes thing a strong too. person. I, I was in pain oh, for physically, five yeah. days. They cut, you know, cut me up here yeah. and, and uh, couldn't move, but I got through it on, on Advil. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know? That's, yeah. That's, that's, and then, you know, um, I had that test, which tested my sobriety. And then I think the real, the real, real test, and I did sort of have a, a, a not a freak out, but a, it, it was hard. Um, you know, I, I, I go through this cancer stuff and, uh, things are looking good. My scans are clean. They don't have to do any chemo or radiation. Um, and, uh, prognosis is good. And my dad starts to deteriorate. My dad starts to go. Oh my gosh. And, um, so seeing, uh, taking care of him in his final days, um, and, um, and, and I sort of learned this too about, about, um, 
handling cancer, it's 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 kind of like you kind of go into this fight or flight mode where you just kind of you're so much tougher than you give yourself credit for. Yeah, you know, you just you sort of you just handle it step by step. Um, I find that I struggle now now that I'm out of the woods now, I think mm-hmm. even more than I did when I was just, okay, just get through this, just get through this. And then when I was caring through my dad, it, it was just, you know, just uh, care, do this for him, do this for him, mm-hmm. do this for him. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys have any experience with this, but hospice came in and and, and taking care of someone in their final days is, is really, really, really hard. Just happened to my grandma last week. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's okay. But I'm yes, so I do under I know how how weird that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um and um it's a lot of work on us and it was on my mom and I. Yeah. And um you know it was it was a really tough experience. Um and I think even for my sobriety too um you know I had always sort of given myself an an out or a fear that God, when this day comes um, and my dad has, you know, morphine or my dad has all these painkillers, how how am I going to do that? Like, cause that's my, that's my stuff. Like, that's what I yeah. love. How am I going to do that? I'm going to be so, you know, I had all this built up fear and I was able to handle the painkillers and give them to him and, and, you know, not... Feel the urge. Feel the too. urge. I wow. mean, I, sometimes when when it was just, you know, who would know? And, right. And I had to go to a meeting or I had to call yeah. my sponsor and, and I had to say or I had to scream in the car. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and – um, but I got I got through it, you know. And, little and by I was little. able to, you know, be of service to him, you know. So – but, yeah. That's amazing that you could – put your almost your yourself aside to be there for him even when you were struggling so much yourself and obviously you're you're never like fully you're once you're an addict you're an addict you're not ever gonna not be an addict so having like that in your hands literally and having to and obviously it's not like he can say hey don't take that because he's he's just gotta trust right and and I think um, it was it was good um, to experience that. Um, no matter how hard life gets, I don't have to fear about um, losing my sobriety. Right. Like I, 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 it was such a fear early on. Um, was that you know maybe I'll get three months, maybe I'll get six months, maybe I'll get a year or two, but eventually. I'm going to slip up and this is going to get yeah. me. And that was an awful – that's an awful thought to have. Mm-hmm. Right. And having gone through the stuff is – much of it is as awful as it is and the fact that it was so close together and stuff <laughs> sucks. <laughs> right. But I got through it and yeah. I didn't use. Yeah. And, and and I didn't, you know, drink. That was like a made – it was the, the biggest m- moment basically that you could – it was like a huge test. It yeah. was like that was the moment where it was like you can either do this or not. And you chose to take it day by day instead of, you know, thinking in that scale of all or nothing, which is every, everyone does that as is, I feel like. Yeah. It just like thinks too far in the future. And yeah. 
and all of that. But that's incredible that you were able to hold off and really yeah. just be there for your dad. Cause that's also such an honorable thing for him too. I'm sure yeah. he would be so proud of you for, yeah, for sticking through that. Thanks. So do you feel, um, you said your dad was diagnosed and he's been dealing with it for years. His, yeah. He was, yeah. He was diagnosed at 53. Okay. So yeah. he, so did you, did you feel as it being like an addict and going through all of that, do you feel a sense of guilt that you had missed out on this time with him in some way when you kind of were working on yourself so much and then almost like he was dealing with that too? And did you feel a sense of like, oh, I wasn't really there for him? And I, I felt more, it was as much as I did it for my dad, I also, um, I did this, I did it for myself, I did it for my dad, I did it also for my mom right? because I felt m the most guilt about my mom mm -hmm. because my mom was handling um, uh, her love of her life, married for 40 years, dying, um, and and my dad was difficult. You right. know, with It's very difficult it, it, when if you're bipolar yeah. and sometimes medications work for a little bit of time, and but my dad would have very severe manic and depressive episodes. Was he bipolar one or two? Bipolar two. Okay. I think whichever one is is manic, manic and depressive. Yeah. Bipolar two, and it was so bad too that he would have to be uh, hospitalized. He would have psychotic breaks. Mm -hmm. He, uh, you know, um, he's. A, I, I I witnessed things that he would you know spending sprees, um, jotting mathematical formulas. Um, all that kind of stuff, and and um, and then the other side of not being able to get out of bed and, and that type yeah. of thing. So she had a very difficult relationship with him, and then she had me, who was she feared losing me right. every day, and so I felt a lot of guilt guilt that I needed to give her some sort of break from all this. Right. I needed to help her some stability some for sti her exactly, you know. And well, you know, with my dad, it, I didn't really. I wasn't really that as close to him until mm -hmm. I got sober. I mean, right. I always revered him and thought he was this most brilliant man. And but he was—I uh, was a mama's boy. Right. And so when I then when I got sober and, and really started talking to him and really I, I started to um, really appreciate the time that we had. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. And you don't have any siblings. It's just you. No, so that's just a, me. a lot of pressure. Yeah. 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 Ooh. Wow. Yeah. And so you've been – so you're in the clear now. So I, I actually – I'm in the clear now. I actually had a scan yesterday wow. because – I know. Because I – so this is sort of what I was saying too about just having empathy for people with PTSD. And mm -hmm. this time and, – and this time being almost even more difficult than actually going through it. Um, you know, I, I was in the clear, right? And, and – People say my prognosis is good, and and then I sort of had this feeling, and and my dad passed, and and that's something I'd been preparing myself for a while. And I sort of had this feeling like, what now? Right. You know what? Do, like I built up in my head that that this was going to happen. This was gonna be a disaster. Thinking, yeah. What? What now? And I really, have str I've struggled sometimes with yeah. that. And um, this time of year, um last year right you know around here is yeah. when everything started to crumble 
And all of a sudden, I found myself, um, depending on the situation, being, I don't know other other word other than triggered, but like Mm -hmm. put almost in the same type of heightened feelings that I had when I was going through it. Right. Just in my day-to-day life lately. Yeah. So, you know, I uh, found out about the cancer just by trusting myself and listening to my body. Right. And so now I'm convinced that, you know, if if I feel something weird or if I feel something here, You're like, oh God, it's, it's cancer. It's back. It's back. Yeah. Right. And I and I've taught myself, well, I have to listen to my body and I have to trust my instincts yeah. and it, surely it's cancer again. And so it's it's this weird and so you know, I was having a weird feeling. And so I yeah. went to my doctor and I got a scan and it's gonna be fine. Right. It looked fine. But it's this weird feeling where um you're through the woods but um the fear of of reliving it or if something triggers you to that you actually feel that again right it's just as bad as as the initial experience you just don't want the rug pulled from under you again well it's almost like you're so used to being in the woods yeah and so used to dealing with you actually almost know how to navigate through the like in the woods better than outside of the woods and you're so used to being in, like you said, taking it step by step. And and when you're going through it, it was like you're just focused on one thing and focused on the next thing. And then when that's gone and you're just focused on, you know, what I mean? it's not even clear what you're supposed to be focused yeah. on. It's I can't even imagine. It's like you're used to the bad things. So you get right. You become what is normal to after, dealing with after that. All that. Right. Right. Wow. Well, I think you would make a great actor. Oh, thank you. I think in addition to that, <laughs> pregnant I mean, lady estrogen aside, I think there's a book. I think there's a, a movie Absolutely. to be. Adapt- I mean, this is crazy. It's yeah. a, it's an insane it's certainly journey. A, it's certainly a lot. I I think I got to, You know, and thank you so much for allowing me to like come on here and talk yeah. to you guys. This is, this has been awesome. But I I think there's something. There's a lot of power in um, sharing experiences, and I've certainly shared a lot. Or I've certainly had a lot that I've been through and if anything, you know, um, helping others helps me. Right? right. You know, that's like, that's a main staple of, of recovery too, is, is being of service to others. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, uh, I've talked to, I, I, I talked to, uh, my high school outgoing senior class at the uh, public school, not the government, yeah. um, every year, uh, to try to, because I, I I feel That's like amazing. I would have uh, benefited from yeah. someone saying sharing their sharing that of. yeah, and so you know I I'm trying to uh, it's. It's it's tough sharing though, and yeah. that's why I I really admire the people that have come on your podcast and yeah. what you guys are doing because it's like you get you get scared. Man. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's hard to it's to share and trust other people that it's it's hard. Yeah, well, and, we we and admire you for coming on here, man. This seriously, is, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's why I like a podcast. I the concept of it because you're not on camera and you don't have to really. You can just be more comfortable, but right. um, I mean, it's definitely you definitely have more in your wheelhouse of experience with these things than most people have. And it's let it, like all of the things aside, just being growing up in general is so hard. So having all of that on top of it is just baffling to me that you were able to, you're a very strong person to be able to manage all of that and then keep like, keep your sanity and not yeah. completely drown in that because which I would mean, have been the easier way to go. Right. Yeah, sure, yeah. I know. But yeah. It's tough. Strong. It's yeah. tough. I like to, I like to you know, 
sharing and talking about it with others, getting help from professionals, and then just uh, doing things that are fun. Yeah. Yeah. And building good relations. It's, it's been my saving yeah. grace, you know? I mean, I would say so after acting, going through anything, yeah. yeah, going through anything and then realizing you realize what's important. You're not going to waste your time doing something you yeah. hate. Yeah. No matter what acting does not pay the bills, but it is <laughs> the most amazing outlet. It and is. It really is an incredible outlet. Yeah. And something that I, and I, that I love and fell in love with. And then, um, you know, I actually I just ran the um, New York City Marathon. Oh wow! For Congrats. the uh, Movember Foundation. Oh my so gosh. if you guys are interested in donating to the Movember Foundation, they are a uh, foundation that raises awareness for um, men's uh, health issues like cancer, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and mental uh, illness or mental issues. And, and that's uh, incredible. And so yeah, I raised over five thousand dollars. Wow! And and got to you know. I shared my story with them, and it's funny when you start qualifying for things based on yeah. how, how bad <laughs> how bad things are. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Wow, man, you'll you'd be you're over qualified for this." Be great yeah. for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the poster child. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that yeah, was, so things like that have really helped me try to like, you know, yeah, and just understanding and accepting that life is really hard. Right. Like you know, and it's there are going to be points that it's hard again. And, yeah, absolutely. I, I got hit with a lot of stuff back to back to back. Right. But it's not something that anyone else is, isn't going to experience. Right. I mean, if you can get through that all at once at a young age, you can pretty much get through anything, I would say. Yeah. But it just happened to be that it happened to you all at once. I but. know. I mean, it's true. What doesn't know. kill you makes you stronger. But um, it's it's really commendable that you're even able to. And you're very articulate, by the way. Thank so you. You're, you're, Thank you. You're, you're, you really tell the story well. Thank you. And. Yeah, I can totally see you as an actor. I feel like I, I feel like even when I knew you in high school, I was like, he's he would be a good actor. Like he's very, you know. <laughs> I'm, I have a flair for the for, for the dramatic. Yeah, I, I can. And I, I well, I, what I did, I loved uh, comedy. I loved improv. I was yeah. always in improv groups. I was always like kind of goofing off. And it's and, the best. And, yeah, it is. It's the but best. I, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I I have some good uh, mentors and good uh, people. That I work with, yeah. that are creative people, that I that it's fun and it's it's something that you know. I got sober and I was like, I got to do something I love, or else I'm going to drink again. Right, <laughs> right. absolutely. Yeah. I got to love life because you if have you, to if like you, love you, what you do. You have to, or else there's no way you're making it. Yeah, better, you know. So it's almost like pursuing that was just out of necessity. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I I was never a nine to five guy. I was never. Me either. I was always ADD, executive functioning, you know, off the wall. Right. And so I had to find something that fit me. Yeah. Um, I think I'm the same. It's like acting really is this – I'm not a nine-to-five person at all. I realized that the hard way of, you know, after a concussion even, I was like, nope, there's – not going back. But um, you really – it through acting, I don't know if it's – a way to get out of your own head, but you're, it's like, you're not yourself for a few minutes and it just feels amazing because you're, you're being someone else. And you can also tell a story and help people in that way too. Like if you even got a role as an addict, but you don't actually have to be using drugs, you can actually, you know, the experience was to go through that. So you actually have a lot to go off of and not to mention a lot of sober actors. Yeah, there yeah. are. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great sober yeah. community in the acting community. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think even um, any type of artistic endeavor, even like 
a podcast like this, yeah. um, which to me I, it feels artistic um, or creative. Right. Um, you know, when I was in my darkest, darkest, darkest phases, waking up at, you know, 4 p.m., mm-hmm. sun's down, um, getting high immediately, the only thing that brought me joy was film was movies was was a creative outlet was something was i would go into you know new york city and and do ucb and yeah and and so i learned that there is a a lot of power in in creating something that helps other people right either if it's escape if it's uh educate if it's if you're doing something that helps other people um you're gonna you're gonna help them and help yourself yeah it Mm -hmm. makes you feel good it's a form of it's like acting in itself is almost like philanthropy. Like yeah. you are giving back in some way. It's a way. weird thing where you're yeah, like, it's weird. like, is this self-indulgent? Or right. Is this, uh, for, yeah. For I mean, yeah. it's the same as volunteering. You're like, yeah. is yeah. it, you, if you're doing it, but it's like, you feel good. You feel you, good. Yeah. But am I, you know, yeah. is it to make myself feel good or is it to make someone else feel good? Too heady. It's yeah. very, it. yeah, it's Just very, it. very yeah. much. Um, but it's true. I mean, it definitely is like a, a form of therapy in itself. And that was something that when I was super anxious and depressed and all of that, I always went to the movies too. Yeah. Even during my concussion, which they say like don't go, don't look at movie screens and TV screens and all that. It was really computer screens that bothered me. But I went to the movies all the time because that was like the only thing that I could get myself out of my own head. And then, and then you start looking at others. You get into the story, and then you're like, oh, there's like life out there besides what's going yeah. on in my head. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So before today, the last time you guys saw each other was in high school. Yes. Yeah. I so so, like so 10 years. The I've f- seen him. We've I, talked a little on Facebook and like yeah. Instagram. That's a little. incredible. So we had actually never met. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I thought pleasure I had met. You. Yeah, pleasure meeting you too. But uh, you know, uh, oh, I, I, out I to completely it. thought you guys knew each other. No, no. He so he was the year after me. Okay, he's, yes, he's got he's a good yes. energy. But right. yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who was in your guys' class, and um, and talking to him. He remembers you from back then, but based off of what he's told me now, I obviously know you went through this journey, but it's just wild to see it come full circle, full circle and to see you on this end yeah. of it. Yeah. And, um, it's amazing, man. I really appreciate you coming here and, and sharing yeah, your story. Yeah, thank it's, you so much. It's inspiring and it's informative and motivational and incredible. And I think everyone can relate to it in some way, regardless of if they're an addict or yeah. have been through anything. Like You don't necessarily need to go, have gone through something to be able to be at peace with yourself or be creative or be whatever it is. Like you don't have to have had that struggle, but everyone in some capacity has like an inner demon that they yeah. just have to I, absolutely pound down. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I know um, like what I experienced was, was, you know, my experiences have been, uh, you know, pretty uh, intense. Um, but I think, you know, if people, I've learned not to use my own experiences as a, a judgment against anything else because people, just because, you know, my dad dying or my getting cancer could be someone else's cat passing away yeah. or someone else's social anxiety of, of going to a crowded restaurant right. Right. or going or whatever. And I have a lot more empathy, um, for, for just, how tough it is. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, um, if there's anything about sort of my experience is that, y- you know, there are outlets out there. There are professionals that help you. They want to help you. Um, if you, when you stick with people 
that uh, stick with your crowd, either if, if it, for me, if it was getting with, you know, other sober alcoholics, right. addicts, or talking to the doctors or, or other people who are dealing with this or therapists, you know, that's where your solution is. Yeah. And, and if you're out there and you're, you're able to be open about it, even though it can be scary and sucks being vulnerable, right. uh, you're giving yourself an opportunity to grow and you're yeah. giving yourself an opportunity to, to get better. By doing those things. Yeah. And build you your know? own like self-worth because that's yeah. what most people are afraid to lose essentially. Yeah. It's just to be like insecure and judged and all of that. But everybody's going through something. It yeah. might not be exactly what you went through, but yeah. to know and understand that I think is something that some people forget. Yeah. yeah. And it's great you that see you, it. you can't see, it's not a, it's not always a physical manifestation of the pain that people are going through. And absolutely. So, right. It's great that you don't let it, um, affect you as if it's something that you're like the victim of in in a way instead you just like you take it as it is and and you don't you know compare yourself to people who you're like oh well, well I have it this much I have it worse than that person kind yeah. of thing mm-hmm. you just take it as what it is and that person is their thing you have your thing and you can all help each other and that's like what the point of this podcast is yeah no matter what you're going through it might not have like a diagnosis or you might not have disease or whatever it is but you you just it's like a it's just being human and you go through it so yeah we're all the same at the end of the day (laughs) yeah and even if just just one person who's going through anything similar to what you went through hears you talking about it it might make them feel better or get through it on the other end so absolutely i hope so yeah Yeah. i think if there's just if it's just one person someday or or you know the next day that that's like you know oh i heard about this guy that went through that yeah something similar you know if he can do it i can do it I, I always appreciated those types of people in AA meetings who would share and say, you know, I just as awful as it sounded, you know, I I buried my son today, or I or yeah. I I lost my dad today, and I didn't drink, I didn't use, mm. and I said, you know, if they can do that, yeah, you know, I can, I can do this, right, you know, so. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much Amazing. for having me. Well, I want you back on eventually. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, great. Okay. Thank you so much. This is amazing. This is Headcase. Everyone, um, follow Sam on Instagram. What's your Instagram? Yeah, Corny Cobb. Corny Cobb. Let's make Cobb. him a famous actor. Please. <laughs> I like to be, be silly on there on stories, but you can also message me if you guys, if anyone is struggling with anything. I, I love to, uh, I'm always here to, to yeah. talk. Um, I love talking to other people, other sober people or alcoholics or non-alcoholics or anybody that's that's going through anything so right. you know you can message me or whatever and um i'm here for you so thank Amazing. you guys for the thank opportunity thank you yeah awesome